You told me you loved me, so I don't understand why promises are snapped in two and words are made to bend. The bigger, the better. Stolen from Japan. Collected from around the world. They'll catch you if they can. Lies, 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 yeah. They're gonna get you. Lies, 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 yeah, yeah. They won't forget you. Lies, 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 lies. They're gonna get you. That's a song from the Taunton Twins from 1982 called Lies. Obviously, somebody lied to me that I could sing. But the thing is, I love to sing. I sing all the time in the shower. I sing when I'm driving. I sing when I'm in the house. It drives my girlfriend, Jennifer, absolutely crazy. She begs me to stop singing. Can you blame her? But you know what? I'm not the only person that was lied to when they said that I could sing. You know who else was lied to? Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey is worth $2.7 billion with a B. She was fired from her first television job as an anchor in Baltimore. And she was told the biggest lie ever, that she was, quote, unfit for television news. And after she was fired, of course, she went on to create another show, forget what it was called, and then ultimately led to The Oprah Winfrey Show. Another big lie somebody that was lied to was Walt Disney. A newspaper editor actually told Walt Disney that he, quote, lacked imagination and had no good ideas, unquote. After that, Walt Disney, Walt Disney purchased an animation studio, which he later drove into the ground. They went bankrupt. And what happened after that was Walt Disney created Disneyland, which ended up winning 22 Academy Awards, or Disney. <laughs> Disney won 22 Academy Awards as opposed to Disneyland. And Disney today is worth over $200 billion. These were lies. Now, Oprah and Walt Disney... They chose not to believe those lies. Now, the question for today's challenge is for you to uncover who's lying to you right now. Are your friends lying to you that you're not good enough? Worse yet, what lies are you telling yourself? I told myself that I wasn't smart. And I also told myself the lie that I didn't belong in honors classes. So today, we're going to expose these lies and have a little fun. So thank you for putting up with my singing career because that's about as far as it's going to go. And it's a good thing that I should just keep my day job and stick to lawyering and podcasting and stay away from the singing. Now, I remember when I was temping in Los Angeles and there was this woman that I worked with and Somebody had walked in and she said, girl, somebody lied to you. And, you know, I wanted to laugh, but this poor girl, I don't know what is her hair, her clothes or whatever, 
But she's basically saying, you know, somebody lied to you. And so I, I got to thinking like, yeah, I remember, you know, somebody lied to me. I've already told you about my singing. And it was funny when I started going out to the bars and the clubs at age 21, I had this shirt and I absolutely love this shirt. I didn't really have that much money. So I really worked it with this shirt. I wore it all the time when I went out. I thought I looked good. I was going out with a friend of mine from high school. And eventually, you know, we started going out a couple of times and he noticed, hey, Damien keeps wearing the same shirt. And he's like, look, look, man, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I love you and everything. And we're like really good friends. But I have to tell you, like this shirt that you're wearing, it totally sucks. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? You see, it's got like white and black stripes horizontal. And if you look really closely, you can see the Statue of Liberty. He's like, I know, dude, I get it. He's like, this shirt sucked. It's really embarrassing. You have to stop wearing that shirt. So I lied to myself thinking, man, I look really good in this in this shirt. It's like, no wonder the girls were staying away from me, from me because I didn't look good. Um, I remember my mom, She, um, her, her mom, my grandmother worked at Billy the Kid uh, it was clothing, but she was like in manufacturing um, the clothes and putting them together. So my mom was always wanting to get me Billy the Kid clothes. Well, this was ninth grade and she got me this whole Billy the Kid outfit. I mean, it was matching. I don't know what it was, the pants. Maybe it came with some kind of jacket, maybe some kind of, you know, I don't know, vest on the inside. And I was like, should I wear this thing? And it came with some kind of red turtleneck kind of shirt. And I didn't wear it for the longest time, but my mom was telling me, hey, this is a great outfit. You should wear it. Well, I reluctantly wore it, and I think it was maybe second period. I was walking out of algebra, and two guys that were in my class, when I, as soon as I walked outside, they got bottled water, and they just threw it all over me. And I was there wet. I was, like, humiliated. They were laughing. And lucky for me, some upperclassmen uh, girls, this is probably like a senior or junior, and she just told them off and like, what are you guys doing? And I just felt really bad because somebody had lied to me that this was like a really great outfit. Or when I look back when I was younger at my haircuts, it looked like, I don't know, I had like a helmet for hair and I thought I looked good. Well, somebody lied to me about my haircut. I just want to go back in the past and, and shave, my, <laughs> shave, my, shave my hair off. Okay, but enough about me already and the lies that... Uh, that I believed and was told when I was younger. What inspired this message for today? Well, if you'd listened yesterday to 31 Flavors episode, which I think was one of my favorite episodes, I just love that title, I talked about a 2005 commencement speech that Steve Jobs did at Stanford. And he talked about three areas in his lives, and yesterday I talked about one of those areas that he called connecting the dots as to why Dropping out of college was the best decision he ever made in his life. Well, the second story I didn't get into yesterday is what inspired me to do today's topic. And that second story he calls love and loss. Now, the love was he loved technology. He loved creating computers. But he actually got fired from Apple. I believe he was 30 years old but he still loved what he did. I mean, think about that for a second. This is Steve Jobs who created Apple. It's probably what now the wealthiest company in the world. And he was fired from the company that he created. Like, how is that even possible? How can you get fired from a company that you created? Well, Steve Jobs was 
fired. And he said in the Stanford commencement speech, getting fired was the best thing that could have happened to him. And he said what had been the focus of his entire adult life was gone. And it was devastating. I mean, you you could only imagine what it must have felt like. But he said, and this was the gift, was after he was fired, just the burden of being successful and all that responsibility on him, it was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again. And he was less sure about everything. Basically, everything that he had was taken away from him and he had to start over. And he said that freed him, gave him the opportunity to enter one of the most creative periods of his life. That's a really big statement because he created, what, the iPod, uh, the iPhone, uh, all of these things. And he's talked about after that he was fired, that's when he entered one of the most creative periods of his life. He started a computer company, Next. I remember seeing Next when I was in college. Nobody was interested in those computers, but Next ended ended up becoming OS X because Apple, when they hired Steve Jobs back, bought the Next OS system, which is OS X that we see today. He also um, started uh, worked with Pixar. Pixar was the most successful animation studio in the world. This is what Steve Jobs had created after he was fired, and then he returned to Apple. And they bought, you know, Next, which became OS X. Now, none of this, he says, would have happened if he wasn't fired from Apple. And he says, sometimes life is going to hit you in the head with a brick. And Steve is convinced that the only thing that kept him going was that he loved what he did. He says, you have to find what you love. And that is as true for work as it is for the the love of your life, your life partner. He says work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it, he says, keep looking for it. Don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, Steve says, You will know when you find it. Just keep looking and don't settle. Go watch that commencement speech. It's awesome. It's 12 minutes. It's Steve Jobs talking to the Stanford graduates of 2005. Now, he was told the big lie when he got fired from Apple that he wasn't good enough. He was replaced. Apple, I think they hired the former president or CEO of Pepsi They thought that he was the next genius. Well, he ended up screwing everything up at Apple. Apple almost went into bankruptcy. Microsoft had to come in and give money or a loan or make some kind of investment in Apple to keep Apple from going bankrupt. And so that was the lie that Apple told themselves that Steve Jobs wasn't going to cut it anymore. And Steve Jobs chose not to believe that lie. It was devastating. It was hurtful. But he went on and created Next and Pixar, and he came back stronger than ever, and soon after that, created the iPod, and the rest is history. He chose not to believe that lie. Michael Jordan was also lied to 
When he was a sophomore in high school, he tried out for the varsity basketball team, but he was cut from the team. He didn't make it. And Michael Jordan said on the Jay Leno show, quote, everybody goes through disappointments. It's how you overcome those disappointments. I just wasn't good enough. In terms of being the best thing that could have happened to me was to get cut because it made me go back and get caught up with my skill level at my height. Listen to what Michael Jordan said. The best thing that could have happened to him was getting cut, getting fired. Who just said that? Steve Jobs. The best thing that could have happened to him was getting fired because he entered one of the most creative times in his life and he came back stronger than ever. Who knows if Steve Jobs would have been able to created the uh, the iPod and the iPhone because it was that creativity that he tapped into on Pixar and the hurt that he took and the chip that he had on his shoulder. He reinvented himself. He took himself to another level. So when he came back to Apple, look at what he was able to create. Look at Michael Jordan. What if Michael Jordan had never been cut? What if everybody told him that he was great from the, from the start? Would he have had a chip on his shoulder that would have driven him to succeed and become the champion that he was? Tom Brady drafted 199. Nobody wanted Tom Brady. And if he had been drafted number one, would he have become who he eventually became? Michael Jordan didn't believe the lie when he was cut from the team that he wasn't good enough. He acknowledges, well, I just wasn't good enough. But he believed that he was good enough. That's why he kept trying and that's why he kept going back. If he had just said, I'm not good enough, he just would have quit basketball altogether. But there's like a subtle difference between saying, I'm not good enough, meaning my skill level's not there, meaning I'm not good enough, I just don't have what it takes. He knew that he that he has what it, or had what it took and he kept working on it. And speaking about Tom Brady, he was with the New England Patriots for what, 20 years? Um, according to, there's rumor as far as like why he left, that he wasn't getting along with the coach. Um, was he fired from the Patriots? Probably not, but they weren't willing to give him what he wanted monetarily. They really weren't showing the appreciation. They just thought, look, Bill Belichick is the reason why the Patriots are successful. And so we're going to stick with Bill Belichick. We don't really need you, Tom. We're not going to spend the money to show our appreciation for you. Bye. So Tom Brady's pretty much out the door, just as may as well have been fired because he's not there anymore. He's living the city that he had been in his for the past 20 years. He's leaving his teammates and the team and fans that had supported him. And what happened after Tom Brady left? Look at how happy he is. He won a Super Bowl. The team's paying him more money than he's ever been paid. They're showing him appreciation. They're showing love. All the teammates that were on the Super Bowl last year are the same teammates because they want to pay, play with Tom. Tom Brady didn't believe the lie that he wasn't worth what he wanted to be paid. He knew the truth and he left for a better opportunity. Steven Spielberg, one of the greatest uh, producers, directors of all time, he applied to the film school at USC twice. USC has the best film school in the world and he was never accepted. Instead, Spielberg ended up going to Long Beach State, a state school. And while attending Long Beach State, he began an unpaid internship at Universal Studios 
and this is where he began his career. What I talked about in an earlier podcast, Spielberg actually dropped out of Long Beach State to start his career. And like in 2002, 2003, like 30 years after he first started film, he went back to Long Beach State to finish his degree. He didn't go back to USC. And of course, they would have taken him by that point. But they missed out on him. He didn't believe the lie that USC gave him that he wasn't good enough. We don't want you. He chose to believe in himself and create E.T. and all these great movies that he did. Mark Cuban, he's worth, what, $3 billion or more? Well, one of Mark Cuban's first jobs out of college was he was a salesman in a computer store. And a few months after he started the job, he had the opportunity to make a $15,000 sale. He just needed a coworker in the store to cover for him and to get his boss's approval to go make the sale. But his boss told him, don't make the sale. And Mark Cuban, being the strong guy he is, went ahead and did the sale anyways. And what did Mark Cuban get for making this $15,000 sale? Well, he got back to the office with the check, with the sale, and he was promptly fired. Thank God that that happened to Mark Cuban. Look at what he's accomplished after that. J.K. Rowling, she was a secretary. And while she was at work, she's daydreaming and writing stories about some wizard named Harry Potter. She was fired from her job because this is what she was doing at work. And now she's an author of one of the most successful book uh, series of all time. She didn't believe the lie that all she was was a secretary and that there was nothing else left for her. Jerry Seinfeld. You know Jerry Seinfeld, super rich guy. Well, he was fired from a 1980 sitcom called Benson. I remember watching Benson. Wasn't that great of a show, but it'd been around for a while. But nobody bothered to tell Jerry Seinfeld that he was fired. He found out because he showed up for a script rehearsal and there was no script for him. And they took him to the side and said, sorry, we forgot to tell you, you're fired, Jerry. And Jerry was humiliated. So he went back to performing at a comedy club and lucky for Jerry Seinfeld, a talent scout for The Tonight Show saw him, booked him on The Tonight Show, and the rest is history for Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld didn't believe the lie that he wasn't good enough. And because he got fired, it opened up the opportunity that started his career. Madonna. Madonna, the, the great singer, she got fired from Dunkin' Donuts after her first day. I find that so hard to believe, but this is what I'm reading. After her first day on the job at Dunkin' Donuts, she was fired for squirting jelly all over customers. She later worked at fast food restaurants and waitress. And look at what she did in her career. Just awesome. Now, many of you probably never heard of a quarterback named Kurt Warner. I have to tell you about Kurt Warner because he didn't believe the lies out there that that he was seeing. One of my favorite, favorite stories. So Kurt Warner was an NFL quarterback and he started in, when did he start? 2000, I think, for the Rams. Now, yeah, former uh, quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. Now, Kurt Warner, when he was, what, 28 years old, 29 years old, first of all, he wasn't even drafted in the NFL. Tom Brady was drafted 199. Kurt Warner wasn't even drafted and when he tried out for the Green Bay Packers, he was cut from the team. He was just trying to make 
the fourth string quarterback. That means like if you're starting quarterback, your backup quarterback, your third stringer and fourth stringer, he was cut that he couldn't even be their fourth string quarterback. And he was cut before the season began. So what was this guy doing? This football player, he's like 27, 28, 29. If you're not playing in football by that time, you're done. Most of these guys, they're start 22 years old out of college. They're in the NFL. He's like 27, 28, 29 years old. And what is he doing? He's working at nighttime at a grocery store, stocking the shelves for $5.50 per hour. This is where he started. Where did he live? He lived in his parents' basement, I believe with his girlfriend or wife and her two kids. And he talks about that he was driving back to his parents' house and he ran out of gas on the freeway. He was with his girlfriend or wife, I don't know what she is, and and the two kids. He said it was freezing cold, it was raining, and they're stuck on the freeway. And he said to himself, this is when he hit rock bottom. He said, what am I doing? How many of us have been there where you just hit rock bottom and you ask yourself that question, like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. He's stuck on the freeway with two kids because he ran out of gas. He doesn't have money to put gas in his car. I told him, I think the last episode, how I would walk to law school seven miles because I did not have money to put gas in my car and I didn't even have money to put gas in my car to go to work. I had to have a friend pick me up to go to work because I couldn't afford the gas. And I'm like asking myself the same thing. I'm working a minimum wage job. I'm going to law school where there's all these privileged uh, students that have all the money in the world. And here I am walking to school because and can't even go to work because I don't have gas for my car. So I totally get it. Like what Kurt Warner saying. It's like, you know, what am I doing? And, you know, he heard about this thing called arena football. And he's thinking like, I'm so much better than arena football. I should be playing in the NFL. I don't even know what arena football is. I don't really want to try out for it. But then he starts saying, what what are you saying that you're so much better than arena football? And he's thinking, here's a guy stocking shelves at night in a grocery store. And it was in that moment in the car when he said, you know what? I'm not above anything. I'm not too good for anything. If I'm going to chase after my dream, I've got to take the first step. And there's so many people, they start thinking like, um, you know, this kind of superiority complex of I'm too good for this. I'm too good for that. And I, you know, I see it a lot when I've hired lawyers like, oh, that's not in my job position. Yeah, I wasn't hired to do this. I, I didn't go to school for that. And like, you know, when you own a business, you wear so many hats. There's no job that's too, that's too low for me. If I'm walking into the office and I see like a stain on the carpet and a client's coming in, like I'll get down and I'll start get the rug cleaner and I'll take out the trash. I'll take out stains in the carpet. It's like you do whatever you have to do to be successful. And I don't ask myself, did I go to school for this? Is, is this my job description? But there are people that are like that. They're like, I'm too good for this. I'm too good for that. And Kurt Warner recognized like, wait a minute. This is some kind of opportunity for this arena football. It's not quite what I want, but if I'm going to go after my dream, I got to take the first step. And I'm not above this, and I'm not better um, than it. I'm not too good for it. I'm going to do it. So what did Kurt Warner end up accomplishing in his first year? Well, he won the Super Bowl. He was the starting quarterback only because the starting quarterback got injured. Another person got released. 
And here he was, the starting quarterback for the Rams, and he got league MVP. He won the Super Bowl in his first year. He set a Super Bowl record, the first quarterback ever to to, um, throw for more than 400 yards in a game. He ended up into the Hall of Fame, I believe, in 2017. He was the first player ever to have three consecutive 500-point seasons. That's an NFL record. And he threw three touchdown passes in each of his first three NFL starts. That's an NFL record until it was surpassed by Patrick Mahomes in 2018. If you know anything about football, Patrick Mahomes plays for the Chiefs. And a lot of people consider that Patrick Holmes is going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. But guess what? Tom Brady just beat him this year in the Super Bowl. But it's pretty remarkable because Patrick Mahomes, there's no doubt, he is incredibly talented. He may be one of the most talented football quarterbacks ever to play. And here's Kurt Warner that had a record that stood for, I don't know, 10, 15 years until it was surpassed by Patrick Mahomes. And um, Kurt Warner is considered the NFL's greatest undrafted player ever. He's the only undrafted player to be named the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP, as well as the only undrafted quarterback to lead his team to the Super Bowl and win. He's also the first quarterback to win the Super Bowl during his first season as the starter. And I said earlier he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, why did I give all those stats? Because this guy was undrafted. He's 27, 28, 29 years old. He is stocking shelves at the grocery store for $5.50. He's living in the basement. He's running out of gas in his car on the freeway in the ice cold rain with kids. Why? Because he doesn't have any money and he's broke until he hit rock bottom and said, what am I doing here? I need something better. Kurt Warner did not believe the lie that the NFL had been feeding him that, you know what? You're not even good enough to be a four-string quarterback. You're not even good enough to be drafted. You need to go work at the grocery store, at the graveyard ship, in stock shelves. You need to go live in the basement at your mom's house. How many people would just have given up on their life and their dreams, just beaten down like that. He's almost headed to age 30. I mean, if you haven't made it by that time as an NFL player, you're done. Except if you're Kurt Warner. And he didn't just make it. He didn't just start. He created NFL records, things that quarterbacks had never done before because he chose not to believe the lies He chose to believe in himself, and he said, if I'm going to chase my dreams, I've got to take the first step. It's a remarkable, remarkable story. So I've already named all these great people, Oprah Winfrey, Walt Disney, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Mark Cuban, Steven Spielberg, J.K. Rowling, Jerry Seinfeld. Madonna and Kurt Warner, all of these people were told lies. You're not good enough. You're not creative enough. And they chose not to believe it. So how many of you listening to this podcast right now have been told lies? How many of you got a grade that you knew you didn't deserve? 
How many of you didn't make the sports team? How many of you ran for class office and you weren't selected among your peers? What did that feel like? How many of you have been rejected by your friends or rejected by your family? Or you had a teacher like me when I was in the seventh grade and he told me that I had shit for brains. How many of you have been told the lie that you wouldn't amount to anything? How many of you were told, like me, that you're going to end up in jail? Your son's never going to amount to anything. How many of you were told that you're just no good? You come from the wrong side of town. You don't belong here. And you start to believe that you're not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not lucky enough. I'm not anything enough. You start to believe these lies. And you know what happens? The person who you really are never comes out. What if Michael Jordan and Steven Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey and Walt Disney and J.K. Rowling, J.K. Rowling, had believed these lies, that if they believed in this rejection, look at what happened. Look what came out. Look at what they accomplished. I am here to connect the dots and tell you that these lies are not true. You have greatness inside of you. It's there. You just have to believe in the greatness that you know it's there. It's haunting you. It's calling out to you to become the person that you know you were born to become. But you've been told so many times in your life the lies that these great people were told. And now that I've given you all these examples, if anything, that should put the belief in you that whether you're stocking shells, whether you're digging ditches, whether you come from the right, wrong side of town, whether your parents are not educated and have no money, and whatever people have told you, it doesn't matter. You can accomplish amazing, amazing things and break records and do things that people have never done and win Academy Awards and win contests and accomplish things in sports and life and science, whatever it is that you want to do. But you have to believe in yourself. Just like all of these people, the biggest failures were the biggest successes. Imagine what that would be like if you wanted to be a news anchor person and they said, you're not fit for TV or Walt Disney. You're not creative enough. Are you kidding me? And Kurt Warner, you're not good enough to be the fourth string quarterback. If those people were told that, what are people telling you? And what are you believing about yourself? Stop believing it. My grades were terrible in school. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't learn the alphabet, the alphabet until I was in the fifth grade. I knew all of it except for the stuff in the middle, which I said in one of my early episodes, I think episode number one or two, I didn't know the full alphabet until the fifth grade. I was in the slow reading group. I already told you my seventh grade science teacher said I had shit for brains. My mom didn't go to college. My dad only has a sixth grade education, even though he's incredibly smart. He has more brains than I'll ever have. 
being smart and education are not the same thing. Don't equate education with being smart. I know a lot of people that education and they are not smart at all. And I know people that have no education and they are, they are incredibly, incredibly intelligent. I have two sisters who didn't even graduate high school. I looked beyond my circumstances and I went for it. I was driven by fear of, I'm not going to be able to live my, my childhood dream that I'm going to be a lawyer. But I persisted and I went through and I started to see like, I do belong here. And I had a teacher who believed in me that said, Damien, I'm going to put you in honors English class. I'm like, no, you're not. because I'm going to get an F. But he helped me look past those lies. He forced me into that class. And then I performed. So to wrap this episode up, I started off by singing. I don't think I've ever even done karaoke. And I don't know how big this podcast is going to be, but I could conceivably have thousands of people that get to hear what a terrible, terrible singer that I am. Now, why did I humiliate myself with that singing? And I hear my girlfriend's in the other room. She heard me. She's like, you're not actually going to sing a song, are you? You're going to make a fool of yourself. Don't do this. I did it because I like to be silly and I like to be foolish. In the last episode, Steve Jobs left those Stanford graduates with stay hungry and stay foolish. And you know what? I know that I'm not a great singer, but I love to do it anyways. I'm still going to sing in my car. I'm still going to sing in the shower. It brings me so much joy and so much happiness. I don't have to do do it to make a living. Thank God for you, right? Thank God for me because I'd be broke. But you know what? For what my calling was to do this podcast and to become a lawyer and to root for the underdog, thank God I didn't listen to the lies that I'm not good enough and I'm never going to make it. So use this episode and my terrible singing to inspire you that you can be whoever you want to be and it doesn't matter if you have money doesn't matter if you don't have resources. You believe in you. And if you believe in you, then people are going to start believing you as well. I wish you the best. You guys take care.